0: book one chapter three section two part one of the new idealism by mason clare this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book one the critical preparations chapter three some realist theories of perception section two professor whitehead and the concept of nature part one so far we have been dealing with the simple relation of perceiving to an object perceived in which the object or rather its counterpart is the ultimate reality and so far it has been assumed for the purposes of theory that what is perceived is always an object obligingly present in space and time in other words that the object stands still to be stared at this theory presupposes or should presuppose a ready-made space and time for the object to stand still in which therefore will be more ultimate than it this on a realist theory without prejudice to the objective reality of space and time further any realist theory which assumes the static character of perception and the object perceived so far implies a dualism between perception and the cosmos perception will not be an event within nature it will stand outside it. Professor Whitehead is not concerned with the problem of knowing, but with the ultimate elements of the thing known, of nature at a moment. But nature, in its ultimate elements, does not stand still to be stared at. There is no holding nature still and looking at it. The ultimate elements are not objects, but events. It is its obstinate traditional habit of taking objects first and events after. As something happening to objects in time and space which has landed philosophy in everlasting difficulties with space and time philosophy intent on objects catching its object first before any event can get to work on it is necessarily saddled with an absolute space and an absolute time independent of objects and events and independent of each other a timeless space in which objects stand or move a spaceless time through which they move as they move through space, a space and time whose accounts can never hope to balance, inasmuch as all space stands still at any one instant, while no instant ever stands still. So that not only must all space occur all over again with every instant, but you can whittle away time till there is no instant left for space to occur in, and you can whittle away space till there isn't a point left for time to cover. It is clear that with such a time and such a space any real point instant correspondence is impossible and where it is arbitrarily assumed you have all the antinomies that have rejoiced idealists from zeno's time till now but professor whitehead like professor alexander denies the existence in nature of this kind of space and time while unlike professor alexander he denies the ultimate and independent existence of space and time at all Space and time have no existence apart from what happens in nature, that is to say, from events. They have no existence apart from each other. Spaceless time and timeless space are abstractions from the fundamental unity of events. Quote, Primarily we must not conceive of events in a given time or given space, and consisting of changes in a given persistent material. Time, space, and material are adjuncts of events. On the old theory of relativity they are relations between the materials on our theory they are relations between events events are the relata of the fundamental homogeneous relation of extension the externality of nature is the outcome of this relation of extension two events are mutually external or separate if there is no event which is part of both time and space both spring from the relation of extension Time and space express relations between events. Other natural elements, which are not events, are only in time and space derivatively by reason of their relation to events. Events, in a sense, are space and time, namely, space and time are abstractions from events. End quote. And the old traditional conception of matter as the ultimate physical reality must give way to this superior ultimacy of events science persists in regarding matter as planted securely in pre-existing space and time its assumption is quote, the outcome of uncritical acceptance of space and time as external conditions for natural existence first philosophy illegitimately transformed the bare entity which is simply an abstraction necessary for the method of thought into the metaphysical substratum of these factors in nature, which in various senses are assigned to entities as their attributes. End quote. And next, following philosophy's bad example, quote, scientists presuppose this substratum, qua substratum for attributes, as nevertheless in time and space. This is surely a muddle. The whole being of substance is as a substratum for attributes. Thus, time and space should be attributes of the substance. This they palpably are not, since it is impossible to express spatio temporal truths without having recourse to relations involving relata other than bits of matter. End quote. Again, quote, it is not the substance which is in space, but the attributes. What we find in space are the red of the rose and the smell of the jasmine and the noise of the cannon. We have all told our dentists where our toothache is. Thus, space is not a relation between substances, but between attributes. The true relata are events. End quote. No definition could well be plainer. Thus, on this theory, space and time are nothing but relations, and so far from being presuppositions of experience, they presuppose the events they relate. Strictly speaking, we are not dealing here with presuppositions, but with experience in the objective sense itself, with the ultimate entities of nature. Professor Whitehead gives you a list of them. Quote, 1. Events. 2. Percipient objects. 3. Sense objects. 4. Perceptual objects. 5. Scientific objects. End quote. It is clear that perception will be primarily concerned with events and not with objects and that objects are to be carefully distinguished from events thus quote objects convey the permanence recognized in events and are recognized as self-identical amid different circumstances that is to say the same object is recognized as related to diverse events thus the self-identical object maintains itself amid the flux of events it is there and then it is here and now and the it which has its being there and here then and now is without equivocation the same subject for thought in the various judgments which are made upon it the object is permanent because strictly speaking it is without time and space and its change is merely the variety of its relations to various events which are passing in space and time Objects are only derivatively in space and time by means of their relation to events. The chief confusion between objects and events is conveyed in the prejudice that an object can only be in one place at a time. That is a fundamental property of events. End quote. It is equally clear from its place in the list that perception, so far from standing outside nature, is contained within it as one event among others quote, the essential existence of the event here present is the reason why percipience is from within nature and is not an external survey the percipient event is discerned as the locus of a recognizable permanence which is the percipient object End quote. and this is as near as professor whitehead will allow us to get to a subject a mind the percipient object is indeed much more akin to a body to the natural life associated with one consciousness and therefore definitely within nature which is closed to mind in the percipient event recognized sense object and apprehended event are correlative and inseparable quote there is no apprehension of external events apart from recognition of sense objects as related to them and there is no recognition of sense objects except as in relation to external events. End quote. The percipient event then is in nature, but yet, quote, percipience in itself is taken for granted. We leave to metaphysics the synthesis between the knower and the known. End quote. So that though the percipient event is in nature, percipience itself is something beyond nature. With which a philosophy of nature is not concerned all the same in making some statements about percipients and percipient events this philosophy is going beyond its book the book of nature nature does not tell us whether the percipient event is inside or outside it and as we shall presently see when we come to consider the intellectual constructions of space and time thought goes far outside nature's book and as in the end these intellectual constructions have to be called on to help out the four-dimensional geometry of events any philosophy of nature which has sworn off metaphysics is in an awkward case but these adventures of thought in the realm beyond nature are another story professor whitehead's problem is definitely not a metaphysical one what he is chiefly concerned with avoiding is just this everlasting problem of knowing and the knower we may object that he is making things too easy for himself by leaving it out but he is perfectly within his rights we cannot be reminded too often that quote, no perplexity concerning the object of knowledge can be solved by saying that there is a mind knowing it though who in their sense has ever said it could idealists may protest against this rude summary of their position they have no business to object to anybody's isolating the object of knowledge for examination so long as they are convinced that the more strictly you isolate and the more thoroughly you examine nature the more surely will you discover nature's inadequacy her failure even to provide the data for a philosophy of nature nature professor whitehead says is closed to mind though not to the percipient event so closed you may add that thought has to go beyond nature to make nature intelligible and yet professor whitehead protests against the bifurcation theory which divides nature up into two systems of reality nature known and conditioned by the by of the mind and nature unknown the mysterious cause of knowing with the consequent split between primary and secondary qualities between appearance and reality he refuses, quote, to countenance any theory of psychic additions to the object known in perception. This dragging in of mind as making additions of its own to the thing posited for knowledge by sense awareness is merely a way of shirking the problem of natural philosophy, End quote. And this cutting out of mind as a possible contributor to the perceived result is merely a way of shirking the problem of knowledge. And observe that professor whitehead has no sort of anxiety about the incompatibilities that shake naive realism and the doubtful status of secondary qualities on his theory and on the idealists there isn't a pin to choose between primary and secondary qualities quote we may not pick and choose for us the red glow of the sunset should be as much a part of nature as are the molecules and electric waves by which men of science would explain the phenomenon. As far as reality is concerned, all our sense perceptions are in the same boat." But here, idealism and Professor Whitehead are at issue. The boat is nature's boat, not mind's. Primary and secondary qualities are one, not because they are all one to the mind that perceives, but because quote, there is but one nature. Namely, the nature which is before us in perceptual knowledge. End quote. Still, Professor Whitehead admits that some sort of case can be made out for the bifurcation theory so far as it is based on the assumption of absolute time. Quote, in the first place, time extends beyond nature. Our thoughts are in time. Accordingly, it seems impossible to derive time merely from relations between elements in nature. In the second place, it is difficult to derive the true serial character of time from the relative theory. Each instant is irrevocable. End quote. And when it comes to the scientific objects, the light waves and the electrons and the agitated molecules, he cannot but see that there really is a difficulty in relating these with colours, for example, in the same system of entities. It cannot be done unless we produce the all-embracing relations, which, by the way, rightly or wrongly, is what idealism has always claimed to have done. But for the moment, the claims of idealism can wait. These all-embracing relations Professor Whitehead finds in time and space. Quote, the perceived redness of the fire and the warmth are definitely related in time and in space to the molecules of the fire and the molecules of the body. End quote. He admits further that on the assumption of absolute space and time the bifurcation theory has the merit of all embracingness absolute space and time bridge the gulf between appearances and causal realities by bringing both into the same double system of relations and thus link up what would otherwise fall apart but his objections to the theory cut deeper than time and space they are in short three Quote, in the first place, it seeks for the cause of knowledge of the thing known instead of seeking for the character of the thing known. Secondly, it assumes a knowledge of time in itself apart from events related in time. Thirdly, it assumes a knowledge of space in itself apart from events related in space. End quote. If we take bifurcation seriously, it will split up time and space themselves into the real and the apparent why if we make this great division why stop at space and time quote, why on this theory should the cause which influences the mind to perception have any characteristics in common with the effluent apparent nature in particular why should it be in space why should it be in time the transcendence of time beyond nature gives some slight reason for presuming that causal nature should occupy time end quote for the mind occupies time but the mind does not occupy space so why if you bifurcate should causal nature occupy space this difficulty we are reminded does not exist for science which seeks only the character of the thing known science is cutting mind out altogether now if you cut mind out altogether it is clear that you have indeed got rid of the tiresome responsibility of adjusting the relations of mental appearances to the relations of causal nature in seeing red if you cut mind out you have only to account for the emergence of red in the field of vision and are only concerned with a chain of physical causation which leads up to red and not beyond it to perception quote science is not discussing the causes of knowledge but the coherence of knowledge end quote and according to realism the coherence of knowledge is to be found not in mind but in nature which is closed to mind we have seen that the main support of the bifurcation theory was the assumption of absolute time and absolute space and professor whitehead's argument suggests that bifurcation suicidally cuts away the ground from under its own feet and again idealists for opposite reasons will agree it fares still worse if, on the other hand, you take time and space as relative. And this, on the first blush of it, looks bad for idealism, which has hitherto assumed that its worst enemies were absolute space and absolute time, as bestowing their own reality on objects and events occurring in them. It has been supposed to thrive on their relativity. But it will not thrive on the relativity Professor Whitehead offers it relativity is fatal to any idealism which clings to any form of the bifurcation theory it destroys the space and time which were common to causal unperceived nature and the appearing nature of perception time and space will depend on the relations between appearances they will be relations between appearances and you will have to assume another space and another time relative to the events in causal nature idealism can only afford to say why not if it can show these events themselves to be elements in some supreme all-embracing system of consciousness now the single crux for idealism is precisely this assumed existence of unperceived causal realities for idealism can make nothing of reality unperceived but the character of the unperceived object is as we have seen a crux for realism too and here again on the event theory after all its elaborate definitions and correlations which build up the concept of the geometrical continuum our first contact with matter introduces the incurable discreteness which met us on the traditional theory of space and time the material object appears to perception as continuous in space and time and according to science is really made up of discrete particles but the realist theory of perception stands on the axiom that objects are what they appear or are perceived to be how does professor whitehead having named this difficulty get over it he gets over it by his theory of the ultimate character of events in the case of a material object we have a complex consisting of the appearance of the object its situation and its causal character the appearance is thus conceived as an event within an event obviously this theory avoids any contradictions between appearance and reality within the object while allowing for this distinction within the continuous unity of the event complex the object that is to say is conceived as real and permanent in the stream and as shifting the responsibility for its character as a mere appearance onto the shoulders of the event which is its situation as nature is never standing still the object will always be in some situation there will always be some obliging event ready to hold itself responsible for the apparent duplicity a drop of water say is found guilty of a breach of continuity professor whitehead says we must distinguish between the drop of water as it appears the event which is its situation and the character of the event which causes the event to present that appearance at this point the idealist begins to suspect and i think to suspect rightly that objects of perception with their inherent contradictions are being camouflaged as events and he is not without hope that their eventual character will presently disclose contradictions of its own end of book one chapter three section two part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine